Hey everybody, welcome back to Soul Focus Radio. This is part two of The Power of Forgiveness. I'm your host, Martin Freeman, and I'm joined by Dustin Washington. Hey, what's up, Marty? Hey, man. <laughs> um, not much because we've only stopped talking like five minutes ago. So not a lot has changed in my life. And I would imagine the same for you. You know, I had a couple of sips of coffee, so <laughs> I feel more can, energized. I was going to say that can be life changing sometimes. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, thank you all for, for coming back and listening to part two of our conversation. Um, I think we had a very rich, vulnerable, personal conversation about the power of forgiveness in our lives and wondering if, if, you know, we can take this conversation and transition it more overtly to the world of social justice. We talked about it a little bit, right? We talked about how we took that, that rage and anger from our own lives. And we, you know, we thought that was the righteous way. Just, you know, we put it behind the fight. Like we were always fighting and we put it behind the fight. The problem, as you said before, is we were always fighting with each other. And as we both said, we were fighting with each other because we were fighting with ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. And so we were never, we were never really wielding power that would actually come to change. So just, you know, how do you see the power of forgiveness being applied to the social justice movement? I'm doing air quotes, the anti-racist movements and air quotes, any of these movements that you and I have been a part of for, you know, close to 30 years. How do you see forgiveness playing out in those movements? Well, I'll start with a, uh with the Martin Luther King quote that I butchered on our first session around the power of forgiveness. And Dr. King would talk about the fact that we are an inescapable web of mutuality. Now, Mm. big words, big words, Mm. you know, but essentially what he was saying is that we are one, we are one human family, but even bigger than that, we are one within the creator, within the universe, within the all, within the source. We are one. We're just individual expressions of the one. And so as we engage with our fellow human beings, those who we might be in opposition to politically and socially, we tend to forget that we are one. And those of us who feel that we are coming at the world and our politics from the righteous place tend to create enemies Mm -hmm. and we create enemies of other people. And the truth is If we are one within the source, within the creator, within the universe, the creator has no enemies. Who could be the enemy of God? Who could be the enemy of the individual soul who knows that they are are an eternal divine being? We have no enemies. And so, Martin, we develop PhDs in creating enemies of all kinds of people. Like, I know me and you laugh. Like, you know, I went up some, but you you were a, a diligent volunteer up in Monroe prison. And I can remember one specific woman, we won't name her who, you know, played out some silly stuff. Right. But she became, you know, like public enemy number one. And with all this energy was projected onto her. Right. And it served ultimately as a distraction from the potential of the work that could happen up there. And so I know I'll, I'll just speak for, you know, that's an, I shared an example for you that I was connected to, but just speaking for me, I wasn't able to do my work if I did not create enemies and did not seek to demonize other people. And what's fascinating about that is all the things that I would demonize other people for. And this is this is not just, you know, folks that are on the other side of the political fence. It was more often than not people that, you know, essentially wanted the same world that I wanted. The truth is that if any of them 
turn a microscope to my life, they would have a lot to demonize me for. So what I've come to really know, Martin, is the energy I was projecting onto the world, to those people, was really a reflection of how I felt about myself. And it would not be until I had a different sense of myself, the sense that I have today, um, and the sense that I'm continuing to grow in, that I was able to step back from the desire or the need to create enemies and understanding I have no enemies. No one is my enemy. Everything works in my favor. But that required some spiritual maturity and spiritual commitment and a lot of uh, painful uh, bumps along the way to get to this point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. And I definitely agree. You know, I, I always needed an enemy. I think I, I think one of the ways I framed it to you not too long ago is like, I always had to have an antagonist in my story, right? There always had to be an antagonist. And I, and that drove me. Yeah. That drove me. And that's what I believed, you know, anti-racist organizing was. I believed that it was always having that antagonist, always having that enemy. And, you know, my whole purpose in life was to correct them. Right. To, you know, to, to show them the way, the right way, you know, the, the, the true path to liberation. And, and, you know, the thing was, is I think functioning that way, unfortunately, the antagonists weren't always quote unquote on the other side, but a lot of times the antagonists started to be on the same side as us. Right. Yeah. So what I'm feeling is like, when we talk about the power of forgiveness, you know, I know that if I had Recently, I was thinking about like all the all the meetings that I used to sit through, right? Like all those meetings, just meeting after meeting after meeting. And I was just, you know, I was sitting here thinking, what would happen if I had, you know, raised my hand at the meeting and said, what does it look like for us to have forgiveness in our heart when we talk to that person that's, you know, running that government agency or, you know, when we talk to that person that we feel like is creating a policy or upholding a policy that is inherently racist. Mm -hmm. um, I think we should, I think let's pause our conversation on uh, strategy to overthrow that person or to undermine that person. And let's instead talk about what is a process of forgiveness looks like. Now, you 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 know what would have happened to me in that room, right? Right, right. I would have been thrown out, you know, physically or, or spiritually or emotionally, I would have been ejected from that room, right? So how does that fit in? How does forgiveness fit in to, you know, to a movement, a social justice movement? Well, Martin, you know, I've done um, some work in a very conservative area of the country, you know, the past couple mm -hmm. of years. And I've worked with police officers, firefighters, many, most of them probably would consider themselves to be Republican, probably voted for Donald Trump, you know, or consumers of Fox News. I mean, that, you know, Breitbart, that's their worldview, right? Mm -hmm. But, you know, right. the thing that I've experience working with them when I allowed myself to come in and understand. So for years, we talked about the power of socialization and we would talk right. about it abstractly, but we never really applied it. And the truth is, Martin, if you or me were socialized in the way these people were socialized and conditioned, we would be showing up exactly how they're showing up. That's how powerful 100%. socialization is, right? 100%, and, if we, 100%. and if we truly understand the power of socialization, then we have to be able to apply some grace to the folks that we're engaging with that we can sit in righteous judgment of and deem awful and all that kind of stuff, you know, because because we can be showing up just like them. And the truth is we're showing up in our own ways, but we'll get to that in a little bit. And so the first step for me, Martin, in applying the, the power of forgiveness in, in the context in which we're talking about is 
that I have to show up with love and that grace and understanding, right? That I could be walking the world just like them. And the truth is, in my own way, I've walked my own path. But if you're blind to looking at yourself and if you're full in full on ego mode, then you're going to be in a place of wanting to make other people wrong and make yourself right. You want to be a place of constant criticism, which starts to amount to performative, performative expression at maybe at its highest level. And you start to perpetuate the same ego-based energy that created this world that we're against. So you used a, a story of sitting in meetings. I think about a meeting you and I sat in with a person that is someone that we both really, really love. And he had a high-level city position. And we participated in a dehumanizing, abusive attack on him. Right. And it might not have been us doing it, but we co-signed on it before during and after the meeting and never spoke up. Now, this was someone we loved, right? But the truth is all of us who were in that room attacking him had the same, a variation of the same dynamics going on in our lives. And so that cycle of that type of stuff is what we perpetuated for years and years and years to the point where we look at, you know, the city where we did a lot of our work in, in Seattle, you know, we were, we thought we were so righteous, Martin, but things have gotten quantifiably worse in Seattle. People of color can't even live in this city anymore, can't afford to live in this city anymore. And so that energy, just even on a practical level, continuing with that energy keeps the paradigm in place that you say you want. So you have to apply forgiveness with honesty. What is real? What am I really doing? How am I really showing up? Right. And going back to, you know, I don't know how people are hearing this, but this is so true to me. If I'm treating that person in that room that way, or this judge or this politician in those ways, I'm fundamentally treating myself in that way. And that doesn't mean that we co-sign or we co-sign on things that we fundamentally disagree with. But the question is, how are we to be moved ourselves. And what moves me? Does it move you, Martin, if I call you up, Martin? Martin, you ain't shit. You ain't never going to be shit. I mean, is that going to move you to want to do something different? Or is that going to make you want to dig in your heels? And what I've seen that do is just keep the ego madness, the loop of ego madness, just going, spinning, that wheel just spinning as fast as it can spin. Mm. Yeah, I'm, I agree with you 100%. I agree with you 100%. And... I also know that that's the foundation, I think, of what we call social justice movements is the foundation of what we call anti-racist movements is perpetuating that cycle. And I think if, if you go back to the, the last episode you know, that we just recorded, I think you know, part one of this, of the power of, of forgiveness, I think what we talked a lot about is both you and I had to, had to really put a lot of energy into cycle breaking in our lives. And we had, we were continuing cycles. We cycles that were created outside of us as small children. Those, those cycles continued into our adulthood, even though we were no longer those children, we were no longer going through the same things unless we were creating them, right? We were now the ones that were creating them. And so, you know, a huge part for us has been, you know, in our growth and our evolution has been breaking cycles. So what I see, and I I know you see this and my D and, and Bonnie and, all the people that have been with us for a long time, you know, doing this work that what we see is that, that we're now, we're now in 
stuck in a, a non-evolutionary, non-forward-moving cycle of anger, abuse, you know, really looking for, like, I feel like we're always looking for the way that we, that we are collectively mistreated. And I also feel like we talked earlier about being stuck in guilt and shame. That's what I feel when I'm in the presence of like anti-racist white folks these days is I feel a lot of stuckness in guilt and shame. And, yeah. and I don't see us collectively breaking these cycles. And, you know, so I, I feel like, can, you know, can we apply the breaking of cycles that we have used in a recovery model in our, in our own lives to the social justice movement? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, that's a good question, Martin. And my short answer is yes. And my long answer would be, Madi will often talk about universal law says what you see is what you get. And so if you have hurt and pain and all the stuff you just laid out, Martin, in your subconscious programming, in your groundwater, then that's all you're going to see. Right? And if that's all you see, that's all you begin to respond to. And again, you know, you just keep having that same dance going on and on. And if you think right. about this, Martin, and I think you probably would agree, um, in, in very much including ourselves, I don't know anyone that I've ever met who co- who's come into the social justice movement who didn't come in carrying a knapsack of hurt and pain, unresolved, right. unhealed hurt and pain. And the structure of the movement is so external focus, which is ego focus, right? Having an outside in perspective of yourself, we're looking at everything externally. But the truth is, if we don't begin to heal and organize ourselves, we don't have any model for how to do that in the world. If you can't heal and organize and create justice within your own, your relationship with yourself, within your own life, within your family, then you do not have a model nor a right to try to do that external because that is, again, an ego-based approach. And so those of us come in hurt. I know I did. I know you did. And upon my reflection, everyone that I engaged with came in with a lot of hurt. A lot of, and I'm not saying that hurt wasn't justified. I mean, they experienced mm-hmm. events in their life that were hurtful. But as adults, we have a responsibility for transmuting that hurt to something that can create something new. And so we have used, you know, we talk about manipulation. We have manipulated the movement for our own purposes in this futile attempt at trauma mastery. And, you know, trauma mastery is this notion that you're going to re- recreate root traumas that you experienced as a child, hoping to make it different this time, but it never becomes different. It's just, it's a futile attempt. And we end up just fighting, 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 fighting. And w- that fighting energy is actually making that which we say conscious with our conscious mind that we're against, we're making that stronger. And until we practice breaking the cycle within ourselves, we're never going to be able to break the cycle collectively. And so this work has to be done from an inside out perspective. And when we start to address and heal and correct that which is going on within ourselves, then we're going to be in a position to not fight anymore, Martin, but to create the world that we want to see. And what I hear you saying, you know, is that the first piece is stopping fighting with ourselves. And, yeah. you know, yeah, because most of us are, we're in massive conflicts with ourselves, right? Yeah. You know, and that's the key. The key to not being an external conflict is to, and the key to everything really is to, is to get on our own side, to stop fighting, stop fighting ourselves. That's right. 
That's right. That's right. And you just said something golden, Martin. The key is to not just getting on our own side, but being 100% on our own side at all times. And if you think about that, Martin, if you think about that, you know, I know when I first heard it, I'm like, whoa, whoa, that's impossible. That's, but you think about it, it's insane not to be 100% on your own side, especially when you're asking other people in the world to be 100% on your own side. Because what we're asking people, what we're asking institutions, the criminal justice system, healthcare system, education system is to treat us 100, but we're not treating ourselves 100. And we have a bunch of people in the education system, criminal justice system, healthcare system, on on and on it goes, who aren't treating themselves 100. So how can we ever have that expectation? So start with self. Start with self. How about we practice being 100% on our own side in our thoughts, our actions, you know, those thoughts we have when we're laying on the couch by ourselves at 10 at night. How are we talking to ourselves? Where are we putting our energy, right? How about we start to apply that? And I promise all of our listeners, because I've experienced this for myself, things start to change. And then that opens up the possibility of allowing us to be happy. Because, you know, Martin, one of the, the beautiful byproducts of forgiveness and the power of forgiveness, forgiveness of self, forgiveness of others, is it opens up the door to be happy. And the truth is none of us incarnated here to be miserable, to be in conflict, right? That's just because we've been socialized in this ego-based third density that we're in, right? But we have opportunity to be happy and to feel love and to express love and to express the fullness and the power of who we are as infinite beings. So being loving is the only way to break these cycles and being loving with ourselves, being loving with human beings that we understand are also infinite souls going through a life experience just like we are. And I think that's where the forgiveness plays in, right? Like, you know, I think what, you know, when I think about some of the most horrific things that could, that have happened and I could see people listening to this and be like, I can't ever forgive, you know, white people for doing this or, you know, men for doing this or, you know, I can never forgive because there's some of the most horrific things, you know, that we could ever imagine. Right. And, you know, and it's still happening. It's still happening all over this world um, that, you know, people are doing horrific things. You know, I think, you know, there's certainly stories like the Dalai Lama talks about, you know, the power of forgiveness and, and you know, forgiving his captors. And, and you know, he tells a story of a, a Vietnam veteran, you know, forgiving, you uh, you know, his, his jailers, his captors, uh, you know, POW from Vietnam. And he sees somebody that he was, you know, that was in the same situation as him. And he says, have you forgiven them? And the guy says, no. And then he says to him, you know, well, then you're still, you're still there. You know, right. you're still, That's you're right. still, you're still captured. And right. so there's certainly those ideas, right? But what I'm thinking about right now is that, you know, forgiveness is for us. And I think we miss that, like forgiveness. And you also don't have to forget and you don't have to, you can still acknowledge the generational impact. We're not saying forgive individuals because they need to be forgiven. But what we're saying is that forgiveness in any way that makes sense to you is actually going to be for you and it's going to free up energy for you. And it's personal energy that can lead to personal growth, but it's also collective energy that can read can lead to what we say we want in terms of societal changes. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, as you say that, Martin, it just takes me back to the first episode that we recorded around the power of forgiveness, that forgiveness is a choice and mm-hmm. it is not forgiven, forgiving the necessary, the horrible action that was committed, right. but it's right. forgiving 
the person for being unconscious when they committed those actions. So, you know, I think about you being Jewish, Martin. I think about the the, the Holocaust. And, you know, I, I went to Warsaw, Poland, and I got to go to the uh, the museum of the ghetto uprising. And I saw a lot of the awful stuff that the Germans did to Jewish people. Now, yeah. most of those Germans weren't born mass murderers and killers. They were conditioned and socialized into that. They became unconscious and began to act from an unconscious place. And so it's not forgiving the actions and the pain, but it's forgiving the, the person for the unconsciousness, knowing that I could have been raised as that German soldier and I could have been conditioned and socialized in such a way to carry out that same stuff. Right. You know, we like to think that no, no, no. But no. if your condition is socialized, just like the things that we we might not be doing those specific things, but each of us listening on this call, there are things that people can sit in righteous judgment about you because you were unconscious. And so we tend to approach this stuff just from our conscious mind. And, you know, Martin, as we talk about our conscious mind processes, what, 40 bits of information per second, but our unconscious subconscious mind processes 40 million bits of information per second. So there's so much power. There's so much happening around us and messages that we're getting that we don't even see that lock us into doing things that go against our higher nature, our higher self. And all of us have done something to be judged for. All of us. And so some things are more extreme, but even some things are more extreme for sure. But we have got to learn to forgive the unconsciousness in others so we can begin to forgive ourselves and be forgiven ourselves. Because if not, we're just going to stay stuck, stuck in this, you know, we keep talking about this loop, this loop we're in. And some of us have to have the courage. You know, it's a choice. You can surely not forgive, not forgive yourself. You can do whatever you want to do. But we are contending that some of us have to have the courage to break this cycle so we can usher in a new world that's uh, appropriate and reflective for our children and our grandchildren. You know, I'm about to be a grandfather. I do not want my child coming into a world that is so cold and in such opposition to each other. I want my child to be able to fully express their loving nature, to have love reflected back to them. And I'm going to do my part for that. Mm, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. I think, I think um, those are powerful words. And I think with that, you know, we can bring this episode to a close. I, I do want to say that I'm really glad you used that example because, you know, I, I've held on to that anger and, you know, I have a family member right now who's not speaking to me. You know, a person who in many ways I was a father figure to, and the reason why they're not speaking to me and why they hold a lot of anger towards me is because I held on anger and I wasn't, you know, for, in a place of forgiveness. And I said some negative things about German people and Polish people because of my experience. Now, that was because I was stuck in that old way of thinking and being like, I don't feel that way anymore. I, I traveled in, you know, I said those things even, it was almost like an old program, like you said, because I traveled in. In, in Europe, and I traveled in, in both uh, Germany and Poland and had good experiences for the most part, right? I didn't have any negative experiences. I saw some of the same things you saw. I saw the Jewish cemetery in, in, in Poland. I saw the, you know, that still had one of the walls from the ghetto. And I saw Auschwitz or Auschwitz and saw all kinds of stuff in Germany and went to the former SS headquarters and traveled with a young German person who, you know, who I love and care about, you know, did then and continue to now. 
but I still hung on to that old programming. And now I'm in a situation where that's coming back on me because now I want that person to forgive me for what I said, but I wasn't in a place of forgiveness when I said those things. And I think it's just a, like a small microcosm of what happens when we just stay in that loop of anger, that loop of hatred, and it doesn't, it doesn't serve us and doesn't serve us moving forward um, in our personal lives or in, in these movements uh, to end oppression. No, that's so right, Martin. And we keep up trying to apply the same ego-based energy that created this world to heal the world, heal this yeah. world. It's not going to happen that way. We have to create something yeah. new and start to evolve into who we fundamentally are, which are infinite soul beings of light that have no end and no beginning. And rooted in that is love and harmony with each other. We have to restore that. And, you know, the universe is, is calling upon all of us, even though we're given free will and choice, the universe is calling upon all of us to step towards our highest selves. That's right. And all we have to do is just answer and say, okay, <laughs> yeah. let's, let's go. Let's do this. Let's, let's try a different way. Because the theme in all that we've talked about today is that the old way has not served us. The old loops have not served us. The old ways have not served us. And we're not getting what we say we want out of life right. individually right. and collectively. So that's right. And I, I want to thank you so much. This has been an awesome conversation. I'm glad we were able to uh, to do it. We had a little little technical difficulties, you know, at the beginning um, before we could actually record. But I'm glad we persevered. And it was it was awesome talking to you today, Dustin. I feel the same way, man. I love you. I love you too. And we want you all to know out there that we love you, all of our listeners, um, wherever you are on this journey. Whatever your feelings are about forgiveness, whatever you're holding on to or ready, getting ready to get to let go of, uh, we love you dearly. Um, we're excited to have you on this journey with us. We ask that you, you go to soulfocusgroup.com, see everything that we're doing. Uh, make sure you're signed up you know, on, on our website for our podcast. We're going to have some, some uh, podcasts for, for people you know, that, that aren't going to be just publicly released anymore. We want you to be able to hear those. Um, still check us out on YouTube and, and all the podcasting platforms as well. We'll continue to release uh, new material uh, on all the platforms. So just please come on this journey with us. And we ask that everybody stay safe, stay well, and most importantly, stay soul focused. Peace. If you wish to support and represent the Soul Focus Group, check out our apparel store at our website, www.soulfocusgroup.com forward slash shop.